0: Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church Dundalk. Hope you guys enjoyed the the break we had with our seven letters to the church last week as, as brother John came and delivered an amazing message and amazing faith filled message. Amen. It was a, it was powerful and it was nice to have a, it was nice to have a wee break in what we're doing here, but we are, we are going to jump back into our series and we are going to, to begin a new church, which will probably be here for the next week or two or three, uh, depending on what the Lord wants to do. But we're going to, we're going to start with a church of of Philadelphia today, and this is going to be a powerful letter. I encourage you guys to stay tuned in and uh and see what the Lord has to say through these. They're they're they're, they're powerful letters, they're powerful. These are these are addressed to the church, they're addressed to each and every one of us, and it's something that we need to grab a hold of. Amen. Now I was uh I was uh talking to uh, I guess that was Paul I was talking to at the end of end of a couple of weeks ago, and we're we're talking about these messages, and I was like, "Man," I said, "There is there is so much correction in the in these letters, you know." I said, "Sometimes, I mean, I now I'm one that loves correction. I love I love to to grow in these things." I said, "But you know, I don't I don't know. It may be kind of difficult for some people to listen week in and week out when they're when there's just correction after correction after correction coming to the church, you know. But but I think we need to be mindful, church, to to come to that understanding that that it's that that the word here is not coming as a critical message. I mean, Jesus isn't coming being critical of the church. I'm not coming being critical of the church. Amen. I say that, that he's not saying these things because he's mad at us because he's angry because he wants to destroy us. No, God loves us enough that he brings correction. I mean, he loves us enough to where he wrote these things down in the word where we can go back and we can study these things. We can meditate on these things and, and grow in the things of God. Cause I mean, these, these are, you know, he, he loves us enough to not allow us to get off track. Amen? How many, how many of y'all know that when, when God brings correction, it's not because he's angry. It's because he's doing everything he can to keep you pushing forward to what he has for each and every one of us. So we don't go off in the deep end. Amen? So we don't go off in, in the deep end. I, you know, I'd have to say I truly question, I probably truly question if people really love someone, if leaders really love someone, if parents really love their children, if they love the, their employees, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a business owner, if you're in management at work, I, I have to really question if people love the people that are underneath them if they don't bring correction. Amen. Correction is something that we need. It's something, it's something if we don't do it, uh, we allow people to run off on the cliff. I mean, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like people running, running, running towards a cliff and you've been over there and you've seen there's a cliff and you see people running full steam ahead and, but you don't love them enough to say, Hey guys, why don't you slow down a little bit? You might want to, you might want to look at the yield sign. You might want to stop because you're, if not, you're going to go off the cliff and, and possibly kill yourself. I mean, we gotta, we gotta love people enough to get past our, our own attitude of being liked and loved by everybody. Amen. And, and allowed, you know, be able to put up the stop sign for someone, even if it, even if it means that someone may dislike you or not. Amen. I why? Because they will appreciate it. It keeps us from running off the ditch. Amen. Have you, I don't know if you if you've noticed this, but if you haven't noticed it, you will find this out. Amen. That that leadership, a permissive leadership, I guess I should say, permissive leadership. If they bring no correction, it will bring an entitled generation. It'll bring an entitled people underneath them, people that that want everything, people that that think they deserve everything just because they're born. I mean, just just cuz I showed up in this place, just cuz I arrived on the scene. Amen. I'm, I it's it, something belongs to me just cuz I came to that position. Amen. But but it's not necessarily what uh, what what we need to be doing. Amen. My, my wife made this uh my wife made this statement years ago that it's one of those things that that really that really stuck with me and she says you know if we are not uh, uh if you if you bring what is that if you bring if you have uh if you bring correction without love it brings rebellion Right. And how many of y'all know that if we, if you're just correction after correction after correction, but you're not doing it in love, you're doing it just because you want people to do things the way you're saying to do it. And this goes with your children. This goes in, in, in the workplace. This goes in the church. I mean, if you're bringing correction without love, it brings rebellion. I mean, it brings rebellion in the people that are underneath you. But if you bring love without correction amen, it brings forth entitlement. It brings, it brings forth people that, that feel like they're entitled to everything instead of uh, something that needs to be earned or something that, that they need to go after. And uh, hey, I'll say that, Lord, and just let me, let, me, let me bring forth a correction here to make sure that uh, we're all on the same track. I'm not saying we need to earn anything when it comes to our salvation. I mean you don't you can't earn anything for salvation it's it's a free gift that that God pours out for each and every one of us but but I will say this the blessings of God many of the things many of the promises of God these things are are directly proportional to what we believe and what we what we do with that belief they're directly they they are proportional to to believing and acting on that belief. Amen. I they're just not handed out to us. You say, what do I mean by that? See, 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 healing in the body, healing is poured out for, for anyone who believes. It, it, it is a promise, it is a right for the Christian. Amen. But just because it's a right for you, just because you you ask God for it, doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna get it. And you say, what do I mean by that? Because see, if you, if you ask God, say, oh, Lord, thank you. I, I, ask that you heal my, I ask that you heal my body. And then you go around, walk around and say, man, I, I can't believe how sick I am. You know, I sure wish God would do something about this. You've, you've, you've destroyed, you've stopped God being able to work in your life regarding that. Why? Because, because the things that we believe, the blessings, the promises of God, many of them are directly proportionate to what we believe and not only what we believe, but how we act on them. Amen, the, the, the work of faith that comes with the things that we believe. We got it. We got to allow those things to work in our lives. Amen. Now we need to be, now we as leaders, we as people in the kingdom, we as parents, we as business owners, we as managers in the business world, we as employees in the business world that just have people that are working near us and around us are leaders of teams. And we need to be a people that come to the place that we're not afraid of correction. Amen. And we're not just, we're not afraid of correction. We're not even afraid to give correction. Amen. Because we do not want to raise an entitled people underneath us. Amen. Man, how many of y'all know that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus Himself, He did not raise an entitled children. Hmm? If y'all haven't found that out, y'all need to go back and review these messages we've been doing on the, on the seven letters to the church. I'm telling you, Jesus, he, he wasn't about raising entitled children. He, he, was about, he was about raising people full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, and he would bring correction anytime we got off track, but he did it in love, amen? He did it in love. We as, we as people, we need, to, we need to be able to give correction, but we need to make sure we're doing it in love in everything we do, amen? What does Hebrews 12, six say? We, we probably all know this verse here. It says, Says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Who the Lord loves, he trains. Who the Lord loves, he disciplines. Who the Lord loves, he corrects, right? And it says that he scourges. That means he, that word means that he flogs, he whips every son who he receives. Amen. Now, now we know that the Lord Himself doesn't come down here and flog us with a stick. He doesn't flog us with a cane or break out a whip and flog us. That's not the that's not what the Lord does. What does he do? He gives us correction and scourges us with his word. Amen. With the, with the spirit of God, as he speaks to us and corrects us. I I don't know about you, Cause I know there's some pretty fiery, fiery Irish people, but I grew up with, uh, I grew up my dad, my, my dad that raised me, my, my stepfather, he, uh, he, uh, he was one of those that didn't like to, he wasn't a big spanker. Amen. And he, uh, but he, I tell you what, anytime you did something wrong, he would sit you down and he would talk. you. I think we were talking about this, uh, for, you know, a, a week or so ago, my dad would sit me down. He would talk about and He'd talk about, it, and, he'd talk about it and say, man, this is what you did wrong. You know, I've trained you up to go this direction and you did this. And He'd sit there and talk and talk and talk, and I'm telling you, as he was telling me these things, and as this guilt started coming upon me, because I knew I was doing wrong, and I knew I wanted things correct. I was like, "Man, Lord, man, please just have him spank me, please just have him beat the fire out of me, because I'd rather, I'd rather get whooped, Amen, than 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 have him sit there and, and tell me all these things that I already know, but but I didn't desire to go in that direction, Amen. Why? Because because those things are tough. I mean, sometimes correction can be tough when it comes into us, but when it comes with love, amen, mean, I mean, it'll help us get our Get our act together. And help us to get our acts straight. Amen. Now, Jesus, Jesus is is uh, He loves us so much. You say. You say. Why is there so much? Uh, why is there so much correction? And in, in Revelations chapter one, two, and three, why is there so much correction? And it? it's because Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus loves the church. He has such a desire for us to fulfill everything that God has placed. He, he desires us to fill our destiny. He desires us to fulfill our call. He desires us to, to, to participate in the harvest in these last days and this generation that we're in. He desires us to do it so much, church. He, he'll come and correct us. He'll come sit us down. He'll talk to us. He'll, he'll tell us things we need to, we need to change about ourselves. He'll, he'll say, you know, where, where we've gotten off path and where we can move back in to be, to be fruitful in our lives. I mean, because he is that. Good. Amen. He is that good. Well now let's let's jump into let's jump into uh, let's jump into to chapter three here in Revelations, and I'll start here in, in verse seven. I'm gonna read all the way through, and then I'll come back. Amen. And in verse uh, seven it says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia he says, Write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the, the key of David. He goes, that has the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, he that shutteth and no man open. He goes, I know thy works. Behold, I've set before thee an open door and no man can shut it for, for you have a little strength. He goes, you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. He goes, behold, I will, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say that they are Jews. He goes, behold, I will make them that are of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but lie. He goes, behold, I will make them to come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. He goes, because you have kept my word, the word of my patience, I will also keep you from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world and try them that dwell upon the earth. He goes, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast which, which, you, which you have and, and that no man can take your crown, that no man can take your crown. He goes, Him that overcomes, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more in and out. And I will write upon the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the churches. He that has an ear, let him hear what the spirit of the Lord is saying to the church at Philadelphia, to the church at Smyrna, to the church at Sardis, to the church at at Laodicea, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Island Church here in Dundalk, Ireland. He goes, he that has an ear, church, he that has spiritual ears, open to what the spirit of God is having to say. He goes, let let him hear what he's saying. He goes, and to the angel at the church at Philadelphia, He says, write these things. Under the angel. Under the angel. Remember this, under the angel of the church. Remember, this is the... This is the Greek word angelos, right? It means it means a messenger sent on a, mission, on a mission. Now, now, contrary to what some churches have in their doctrine, this does not mean that there is, there is some angel that's sitting over every single church and he's, he's directing things. He's, he's going to protect things. He's going he's gonna to direct how the pastor does things and how the congregation does things. No, that's not, that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a special messenger that the Lord has sent, Jesus himself has sent to be over the church. You say, well, who's he talking about? He he is talking about the pastor. He's talking about the apostle. He's talking about the elder. He's talking about the bishop. He's talking about the overseer, the person that he's put in charge to, to lead the church in the direction that it will go. The one that has a responsibility that answers to Jesus himself. Amen. I'm telling you, that's powerful. That's powerful when you think about these things that Jesus himself plants someone in a position, Amen. I didn't we talk about this when we were talking about the gifts of the, uh, the gifts of the church and the gifts of the spirit, the Lord himself is the one that plants these uh, people in place. You know, that's why I find it very hard uh, to, to understand with, with some denominations and some church, some in the church world, how they, how they can, you know, elect a pastor and de-elect a pastor. They, you know, the pa, you know, you get four or five pastors, you'll come in, let them, let them preach a message. And, oh man, I think that one sounded good. I think he dressed the part, you know, he kind of, he, I think he looks good, man. He'll, fit in with a, with the kind of congregation we have, you know what, we'll let him in. But then on the same on the same token, they say, well, well, now. I think that preacher, man, he, 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 that preacher brings too much correction, man. He talks too much about money. He asks us to give too much, man. He talks too much about faith. He talks too much about healing, man. Don't he know what I'm going through in my body? You know, he talks about these things too much, man. We need to, we need to put up a vote. We need to put up a vote. Maybe we'll, we'll get this person out of here. You know what that's saying? That's, that's, that's saying looking over at Jesus saying, Jesus, man, I know so much more than you about the church. I know so much more than you. I want to I kick the people out that you have leading and, and have overseeing over the church. I'm telling you, that's crazy. Where, where do we come together as a church that we think that these things are right and just, amen? Now, I'm not saying that we don't have a voice. I mean, everyone has a voice in the church. We're a body, we're a family, amen? Just like at your house, people have a voice. I mean, every, every church door to the, to the, to the pastor, or to the, to the teachers, or to the apostles, or the eldership, or whoever is of the church, that, that door always ought to be opened to where people can come to you and ask you, you know what, why is, why are we taking the church in this direction? Why, what, 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 is, what why is this why are we preaching this why is your doctrine this why why is this and that the, that door needs to always be open needs to be open to where we can communicate these things not not be not be a dictator like right because we're we're doing things as Jesus has asked but but it needs to be uh, that door needs to always be open because we all have a voice amen We all have a voice, amen? Not not just the pastor, not just the leader. I mean, the the Lord doesn't want the the church to be designed that way either. We all have a voice and communication needs to go forth, amen? But I would also say we all have the freedom, amen? We all have the freedom to seek out the spirit of God to where we should be planted. Amen. Now that, now that was. Now I'm telling you, that's a key. Now we need to seek out the Spirit of God. Where you need to be planted in a church, not something out of convenience amen? Because I'm telling you, convenience will get you in trouble. It's not something about convenience. It's it has, we need to seek out the spirit of God and see where he desires us to be, where he needs us to be planted. Why? Because there is a word from, from that leadership that needs to go forth that'll help you get to your destiny. Amen. mean, these, these, these are important things that we need to understand. And I'll, I'll say this too, to, to, to church leadership, to, to the apostle, to the uh, prophet, to the evangelist, to the pastor, the teacher, we need to be seeking forth by the Holy Ghost where we need to be planted, where we need to be planting churches, you know, where, where we ought to be out preaching. Amen. We don't go out preaching just because of convenience. We don't go out preaching somewhere just because they give good offerings. Amen. We go out by the leading of the Holy ghost in everything we do that. See the Holy ghost has to be, remember we've been coming off this series of being led by the spirit. The Holy ghost has to be our lead in everything we do. We need to submit ourselves into the leading of the Holy ghost and, and try not to make steps until we have that, that red light green light and uh or, or caution light and, and allow him to direct us into the things that we need to be doing, amen. Because it will keep us out of trouble. Amen. He says unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Now remember, remember this word church. Remember we went over this probably a couple of weeks ago. It's the, the Greek word ekklesia right? The Greek word ekklesia, and I'm telling you, I don't, I don't think the church really has an understanding of how powerful this word actually is. I mean, now listen, uh, as a little review on this for those of you that haven't that, that haven't heard it, and I'll probably do it again on the next church as well, but, but listen, this this word ekklesia, it was a pagan word that the Lord himself chose to call us. I mean, it wasn't something that that, that was there from the beginning. It wasn't the, the synagogue. It wasn't something that, that has always been called. No, it, it was a pagan word that came out of Athens that, that God God chose for His people, for His church. Amen. You say, "Well, what was it?" The Ecclesia in Athens was like a group of about six thousand elected people. Six thousand elected people. It was a ruling body of Athens. They were a powerful political body. They were summoned together to do what? To promote, to hear principles, to hear facts of things that are going on. They would and they would vote to ratify to, 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 to ratify to change the direction and way the city. Should. To go, you know, to to change the climate of the culture in the area, they would vote on these things after they heard them. You know, fair enough. You know, they say that the ecclesia in uh, in Athens, they even had elders, they had they had leadership over this. Why? Because when you have 6,000 people, you need some people running it, right? So they had, they had elders, and they also had a preacher. They had the one that would that would stand up, that would give the address, that would talk about the laws, talk about the things that needed to change, you know, talk about the direction that the cities are going, amen, and then what would they do? They would change the city. They would change the direction or keep the, the city going in the direction that it should go. Now, church, I'm telling you, that is powerful. You say, what I mean? That is powerful that Jesus calls us that. He calls the church the ecclesia. You say, what do I mean by that? We are the, the called out ones. We're the called out ones out of this city that, that the Lord has put in charge to to direct which direction the city should go. If it should go this direction or that direction. How many of y'all know that we have the authority in the town, in the city to direct which direction it's going to go? You say, well, I, I don't know about that pastor. Have you seen the way things look? This is what Jesus called us to be. Jesus called us the ecclesia, not pastor, Ryan, I'm not the one that's doing it. Jesus is the one that called us up. Why? Because we are the called out ones with his authority to what? to to direct to, to direct the, the way that the city should go. I'm telling you, take a look. I want you to take a look at each city. Some of us in here are from different places. What, what, our, what does our cities look like where we're from? Amen. What does what the, the spiritual climate look like in, in, in Dublin? What does the spiritual climate look like here in Dundalk? What does the spiritual climate look like in points pass or or porta down or belfast or or in a showing. you know what what does the spiritual climate look like in that cuz i'm telling you church it's it's uh, it is the responsibility of the church amen it, the, what you're seeing is the is uh, the is the product of what we've been believing the product of what of what we do believe and what we act upon you say well i don't know about that church we well, see that's the problem that's the problem because we don't know about those things. We don't believe the authority that Jesus has handed over to us, and we don't believe the responsibility that He has given to the church. I'm telling you, these are these are serious, you know, this is Christianity 101 that we need to, we need to grow up in so we can begin to change the environment of the, of the cities that we're in. I'm telling you, I want Dundalk changed. I and mean, I don't want to stop at just Dundalk. Every place we plant a church around this nation in Northern Ireland, I want them changed. I want them changed for the glory of God. I want I want, I want the glory of God beaming through those things. I want people healed. I want the word to go forth. I want people saved. I want I want missionaries to be sent forth. But I'm telling you, church, it starts with people that know in their authority, knowing what they're called to do as the church. Not expecting the pastor to stand up and have to do everything, but the church as the ecclesia come together, begin to pray, begin to seek God, and allow Him to move them in the direction that they want to go. I'm telling you, it's as simple as that. But we got to believe those things. We got to grab a hold of them, and we need to begin to walk in them. Amen? I'm telling you, church, this is you. This is you. I'm talking to each and every one of you that are listening, each and every one of you that have ears to hear. This is you. This is you. It's time for the church to begin to stand up and do what she is called to do. And that has has changed the spiritual climate everywhere they go. I'm telling you, he says every every place that your soul treads upon. It shall be yours. He says, Ask for the nations. How many? How many of us are asking for this nation? I'm not even talking about asking of all Europe. How many are asking for Ireland? How many are asking for Northern Ireland? We're the church. We're the ones that need to be asking for these things, and we need to be the ones that are, that are putting our influence into this land. Now, now, what are you saying? That everyone needs to be in politics? No, I'm not, now I don't think it's bad for Christians to be in politics. I think we should have Christians in politics. But that's not, that's not, that's not how we change something, church. We change something on our knees. We change something getting into the presence of God. We change something as we get intimate with the living God, you know, you know, uh, releasing the kingdom, just like pastor Kimberly talked about last week, releasing the, the kingdom of God that he's placed on the inside of us, releasing it into the people that are around us. I'm telling you, it will change. I mean, we, it ought to change the atmosphere of everywhere you walk. I mean, why? I, cause we're the church. We're his body. Amen. We, we are his body. The one that does the work from the head. Amen. We, we are his body. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. Go back to the book of Acts. I'm telling you, I love the book of Acts. I love studying the acts of the Holy ghost. Amen. And if you, and if you watch what the, and if you study what the, what the apostles and the, and just the believers, what they were doing in those days, I'm telling you everywhere they went, they changed the city. Every nation they went to, they, they, they changed it. I mean, they, they flipped it upside down from, from 12 believers, amen. They changed the world, amen. Why? Because they knew the authority that they had. They knew this, they knew they were the ecclesia. They knew that God placed something on the inside of them that would change everything that came into contact with it, amen. That would change everything that came into contact with it. But do you believe it? Hmm. See, This is the issue. Do you believe it? Because see, if we don't believe on it, we won't begin to act on it. See, if you don't believe you are the ecclesia, then you won't begin to act on it. If you don't believe that, that you are, that you are, that you are the called one, that you are the chosen one to make a difference, you'll, you'll never act on it. You know, I probably told you this story before. There's a, uh, there's a talk show back in the States. It's called I don't even know if it's going anymore, but it was called Penn and Teller, right? Now, now the, it was a, a pretty rowdy talk show, so most of you probably never heard of it because y'all had never listened to rubbish like that. But uh, but it was called Penn and Teller. It's kind of like a Howard Stern type of thing, right? And they had some preacher on, on the show one day, and they're sitting sittin there chatting, you know, talking about different things. And and at the end at the end of the show, you know, uh, one one of the guy, uh, one of the guys was like, "Oh man, I thought you're gonna you're gonna start preaching the gospel to us today, trying to get us saved," you know, and. and Penn was a, was a, was a devout atheist. Right. And uh, he's, and he was like, ah, you know, I wouldn't believe anything you had to say anyhow. I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe any of that stuff. Yeah. You know, I've, I, I've, I've, I've read through, I, I don't, I don't, believe, I don't believe any of that. And he was like, well, why, you know, God is real. You know, God is this, God is that. He goes, he goes, no, I, I can't believe in that because you don't believe it. As he's talking to the pastor, he said, "You don't believe it." He goes, "What do you mean I don't believe it? I've you know, given up my life for the gospel. I'm." He goes, "No, you even you've been here this whole time. You haven't tried to you tried to get us saved." He goes, "You know, you know, you don't you don't do anything. To, you know, I haven't done anything to get us out of hell. If you actually believe there was a hell, a place you know burning fire and brimstone, and there's some devil that that I'm gonna have to spend eternity with, and you don't try to get me out of that place." He goes, "You know, you don't believe. Either you don't either you don't love people like the Bible says, or you don't believe it. It's." One one of the two. He goes, and this is the church, the church. No, anyone you go to, no one tries to pull you out of this place. No, no one tries to do it. He goes, why? Because they don't believe it. So why am I going to believe something you're trying to say when you don't believe it enough to try to keep me out of it? He goes, I tell you, if there is a, if there is a person, you got stand outside of that street out there and there's a lorry coming against them. I don't care if it was an old lady. I don't care if it was a, a young man. I don't care if it was a, an older person, a young person. I don't care if they're black, white. I don't care if they're gender neutral, whatever it may be. He goes, I would, I I do everything I could to get out there and grab a hold of them and pull them out of the street. Why? Because I know that that truck's going to run over them and smack them and probably kill them. He goes, there's no way I would let that happen. There's no way I'd let that happen. But the church doesn't do it. The church won't speak these things. The church won't, won't try to grab uh, people out of hell. So if you don't believe in it, he goes, what in the world do you think I'm going to believe in it? I'm telling you, church, we need to get a check. I mean, that, that needs to be a check in our spirits, amen? What, what are we believing? Because I'm telling you, the things that you believe, they're the things that come out of your mouth. I mean, are you, are you, are you believing? Are you believing what the gospel says? Do you believe that there is a God that, that's here to save? Do you believe that, that, you, that you have the authority to, to, to get people delivered out of the pit of hell? Do you actually believe there's a hell? Hmm? Do you believe there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun? Amen? I mean, tell me this, I'm, we, need, we need to get back to go to basics and start asking ourselves these questions because if we, if we aren't living a lifestyle of Christianity, if we're not living a lifestyle of the gospel, if we're not speaking the gospel, living the gospel in everything we do, church, do we actually believe it? Or has it become religion? Or has it just become religion that we walk to? I'm telling you, it's one of these things that we need to, we need to, be, uh, we need to be paying a little bit of attention to. Amen? It says unto the angel of the church at Philadelphia. He goes, right. Amen. So what's a little bit of history on Philadelphia? Now, this is not the Philadelphia that we find in the U.S., right? This is Philadelphia that was found in Asia. Amen. A a powerful, beautiful place. Now, now Philadelphia was was probably the youngest, not probably, it was the youngest city out of all the cities that we're discussing here. It was was planted in 150 B.C. Amen. It was planted in 150 B.C. by the king of Pergamon. Amen. By the king of Pergamum, which we we know from our city of Pergamum, that Pergamum was what the capital was, the cultural capital and the capital of Asia at the time. And King Eumenes went out and he planted this city on the further eastmost border at trying to make an open door to the east, trying to make an open door to to Asia Minor into Syria. Amen. Now, now, now the interesting thing about this is uh, King uh, Eumenes, he had, a, he had an absolute love for his brother. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they were close, they were tight. I mean, his brother was the one that, that, uh, that, that seceded his throne. His, his brother's name was Atalius. And, and this is why they named, or he named this city, Philadelphia, which we know what Philadelphia means. It means it means the city of brotherly love, right? Now, now this is a, a conjunction here. If you, if you look at the word Philadelphia, it's from the Greek word uh, philos or, or philia, which we know is the a Greek word for love. That means affectionate or an intimate love with a with a friend or a brother, right, and then you have Adelphos, which means brother I mean is the the city of brotherly love I, I think that's powerful that, that this that this man, this king lo- loved his brother so much that he he actually named a city after it that is that is powerful I mean now mean that it was the the easternmost city or the easternmost town here you could you could say that like I said before that it was a it was an open door it was an open door for for commerce it was an open door for trade it was a as an open door to export their culture to, to the cities and to the places around them now now they say it was a, an absolutely beautiful city it was a very wealthy city since they had all this this commerce coming in and through it and as a matter of fact it had the reputation they cultivated it little Athens. Amen. Why? Because of the money and because everything was ornate and it was just a really gorgeous place. Now, now listen, Athens was, was the place to be during these days, right? Athens was, was the city. It was the Greek city. So to have the the nickname little Athens, I mean, that, that was a, that was a powerful, uh, that was a powerful, you know, uh, thing to say about the city. It was, it was something that, uh, that what people would looked very favorably upon it. Amen. And 80, in A.D. 17, there was a great earthquake that took place. Now, this earthquake took place, and it destroyed it destroyed Philadelphia. Now, for the next 20 years, there was earthquake after earthquake after earthquake, and they kept on rebuilding and rebuilding and rebuilding the city because it was so precious. Uh, it was such a precious and, and, a, and, a, and a great and powerful city. They kept on rebuilding it, but, but the emperor Tiberius of Rome he he, uh, he put forth a, a rebuilding or a reconstruction tax up, uh, upon the people. He gave a sum of money to rebuild it and then he put forth this this great tax so so all this wealth that became into the people it started uh, it started to not necessarily put them into poverty, but started making things very difficult on the people because everything was going back into taxes to, to save this city, to rebuild the city. Even to the fact that many people out of the city, they begin to move to the outskirts, not to another city, you know, but to move to the outskirts of the city because of the earthquakes coming in. They didn't want, they didn't want something falling off the buildings and killing them or coming through their house. So they, they moved on the outskirts and they say even to this day, most of, most of the people are living on just on the outskirts of the city line. It's, it's pretty, pretty interesting Thing I guess it was built on on some sort of a fault or, or something like that, but it's a uh, but uh, but the city is still in existence like like some of these. Uh, this I think the 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 Turkish name for this is is uh, Alisar, Alis Alisir or something like that. But but it's a, a city still in existence today. Now listen, being the easternmost point or the easternmost you know division. Uh, of the Greek culture, if you'd if you would want to say that. they This was the, oh, probably one of the main things. How many of y'all know that in the Greek culture, one of the main things they wanted to do is, is spread their culture around the world. Why? Because they had pretty amazing culture, but they wanted to spread their culture, spread their language everywhere. Even, even to the point that we know when the Bible was written, the New Testament was written, we know that it was even written in Greek, right? Now, we know that the, the language of the Jews, even at that day, was Aramaic, right? And the, the language of the Romans was Latin, but they chose, they chose to, they chose to write these things in Greek because Greek, the Greek culture infiltrated everywhere that it went. Now this, now this city was planted for a specific reason. It was planted by King Eumenes to export this culture around the world, to export this culture into, into the east, into the, into the three neighboring areas that were, that was by them. One of them was, was uh, Phrygia. One of them was Lydia, which we've talked about both of these and one was Musia. Now, They they wanted to export their culture into these areas, and I tell you, it had to be a great missionary city because by, by AD 19, I believe it was, yeah, AD 19, you know, the, the, uh, the people of Lydia did not even have their own language anymore. They didn't have a culture anymore. They were all but Greeks walking everywhere they went. Why? Because of this open door that was given to this city. It was a, it was a, the city was a missionary city in the natural side, exporting their culture around the world. But that's very important because as we, as we get into this into the weeks to come, You'll find that this was also a missionary city uh, that, that, was try, that was going forth and spreading the gospel everywhere that they, that they went as well. It was powerful. You know, Brian McCollum, uh, he, he, uh, he made a statement in 1990, so I don't know how it looks today, because I was trying to find some information on it, but I couldn't, I couldn't find a whole lot about it. But he says it is, it is the only city that we've talked about in the seven, seven letters of the church that still has a church in existence, in Turkey, in a, Muslim, in a Muslim nation, right? That, that has, uh, they says, about, a, it was at that time in 1990, there's about 1,000 believers. So praise God, we believe that church is still going and, they're, and, they're, and the, the numbers have increased. But, but it was one of the, out of the seven, one out of the seven, I'm telling you, that still has a church that still had a Christian fellowship in existence. Amen? Which is pretty powerful. Anyhow, he says, and to the church, and, uh, he says, and to the angel of the church at Philadelphia, he says, right. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true. He says, "Right." He says, "These things saith he that is holy." How many of y'all know that Jesus is holy? Jesus is holy. There is no darkness found in Jesus. Jesus is holy. He is is set apart. He is sanctified. He is holy. Amen. Now, he has made us holy, but he's also called us to be holy. Amen. He that is holy has made us holy as a people, but he has also called us to be holy. Amen. He is by the grace that the Lord has poured out upon us. he He has set us apart in the world. He has anointed us. He has sealed us with the Holy Ghost. He has sanctified us for the work of the kingdom and he has freed us from any and every sin that was that was a part of us I mean he's freed us from he's he's made he's made us he's made our spirit man he has made he has made us a holy person we are a holy nation amen and us individually he has made us holy but he has not just he has not just made us holy they've call, he has called us to be holy how many of y'all know that he hasn't just made us that way he has called us to be why because we have to have a product we have to have to work after what that we believe, right? There is the things that we believe, well, I mean, a better way of saying that is the things we believe will produce a work in our life. It'll, it'll produce something out of us from the things that we believe. Amen. And first Peter, uh, first Peter one, 15 to 16, it says, but as he, which hath called you as holy, so ye be holy in all manner of conversation. Now, now, I could probably take a rabbit trail there and be, and be there for, for the rest of the night, amen? Because I'm telling you, to have a holy conversation, church, we, we, we might want to tweak, we can definitely tweak those things in our lives to get back to the only thing that comes out of our mouths are holy. The only thing that comes out of our mouth is something that is a representative unto the King of Kings, representative of the one that is holy, amen? Let all conversation, let everything that comes out of your mouth be holy. If not, keep your mouth shut. It's as serious as that. It's as simple as that and as serious as that. Keep your mouth shut if it can't, if it can't be that direction. Amen. He says, he says, but let every, uh, be holy in all manner of conversation because it is written, be ye holy. I thought he made you holy. Yeah. Be ye holy Amen. For I am holy. The Lord has told us, be holy because I have holy. Why? You know, be yield unto holiness in our lives. Say, oh no, is this one of those holiness teachings? No, it's not one of those holiness teachings, but I'm telling you, the church could come back to a little bit of holiness teaching. Amen. It's not something that need, we, need to, we need to push back from or something to stray away from. I'm telling you, church, he has not only made us, he's called us to be holy. He's called us to operate in holiness and we need to begin to yield to those things. You say, why is that because anything that is anything that is healthy it produces fruit. How many of y'all know that? Anything that's healthy it produces fruit. Anything that's healthy that's produced fruit a healthy apple tree, what does it do? It produces apples. It doesn't produce lemons. It doesn't produce lemons, amen. And many of us in the Christian world we're 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 big we're big apple trees, but we're reducing, we're trying we're trying to produce nothing but lemons in our life, amen. We need to yield in what the Holy Ghost is trying to produce through us as He has made us holy and allow those things to operate in our lives, amen. Be apple producers, amen. He says, "Be holy." He goes, uh, he goes, uh, say, just say, "He that is holy." He goes, "And he that is true." he that is true. How many of y'all know that Jesus is truth? He is, he is true. He is truth. He is genuine. Amen. He is a genuine man. He is authentic. I love authenticity. I love things that are real. And I'm telling you, I don't like things that are fake. I don't like things that are fake. I don't like, I don't like things that are fake at all. You You know, I like diamonds. Amen. I don't like cubic zirconium. Amen? Now, nothing for any of you that like cubic zirconium, but I'm telling you, I'd rather have nothing at all than have cubic zirconium to have a diamond. Why? Because I want the real thing. I don't want something that looks like the real thing, something that's manufactured to look like the real thing. I want the real thing. Amen, just like, just like this, this beautiful church building that the Lord gave us here. You know, when I, when we were negotiating with the owner, I wanted an authentic title deed to come with it. I didn't just want him to give me some handwritten title and say, here you go, now it's done, now give me all the money. No, that, that, that's, I, don't, I want authenticity when it came to that. So what did I do? We hired solicitors. They looked over the title, made sure that this man is able to sell this building. He had the authority to sell this building. And then we got a title deed that, that, that will stand up into the courts of Ireland. Amen. And we could purchase things. It was authentic. Amen. I'm telling you church, I love authentic things. I like, I like authentic tech Amen. I don't, like, I don't like this old El Paso rubbish that we get at the Tesco here. What is that? I mean, I'm telling you. We, now, we have a, a city in, in Texas called El Paso, but I'm telling you, that's not the Tex-Mex that comes out of El Paso. Amen? That, that is a fake. That is a fraud. Amen? You want to know what real Tex-Mex tastes like? Come, come over to my wife's house and let her, let her cook for you one day. I like the authentic. Amen? Not, not, not something that looks fake. Amen? These things, these things aren't the same. I, you know, I love the Irish culture the authentic Irish culture. You know, I, now I love the city of Dublin. Amen, I love it. We lived there for several years and I think it's a, a wonderful city. I mean, it's like a great, it's like a big village. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great city, but I'm telling you, if you want the authentic culture of, the, of Ireland, you know, don't, don't go to Dublin. Amen. All the Americans that come over and visit, you're like, oh man, we want to get, we want to see what's, what the Irish are like. We're going to go to Dublin. Say, so, well, if you want to know what the Irish are like? Don't go to Dublin. Amen. Go, go, go to some of the other towns, come to Dundalk, come to, come to you know, different, different parts of this, of this nation, go to the villages, go to towns. You'll see the authentic people. You'll, you'll see the authenticity of the Irish people. I mean, my wife, she was, uh, she was coming out of, uh, the Roma, you know, the, you know, because you do takeaways on Friday, right? So she was coming out of the Roma, the the other day. She had her, she had her hands full of all kinds of stuff because she went by herself. Amen. And she's, you know, struggling to get out of the car or struggling to get into the car. And, and one, uh, you know, beautiful Irish woman come by, you know, grab something out of her hand, helped her open up the door, let her get in the car, then hands, everything back on back into her. And then, and then walks about her business. I'm telling you the hospitality that the, the people of this land are amazing. Amen. The, the Irish culture is amazing. I love it. Amen. I love the people. We call, we call it back in the States. We call it Southern hospitality. Amen. And that's what it reminds me when you get out in the towns and the villages in this land, you'll find great people that just want to have the, have a chat and have the crack. Amen. They're great people. Amen. But I love an authenticity and I'm telling you, I love an authentic church. I, tell, I don't like a fake church. I don't like the church when it's being fake. I, I want, I want, I desire an authentic church. You say, what is that? I want an authentic Jesus. Amen. I want, I want, I want the Jesus that, that talks about the blood that cleanses us. I want, I want a Jesus that, that brings forth correction. I want, I want Jesus that the full word is taught. I want a Jesus that is the baptizer and the Holy ghost. I want a Jesus that is our healer. i I want the real Jesus, not a fake Jesus. I want the real Holy spirit. Amen. I want, I want the real word being preached. I, I don't want. I don't want some smoke machine trying to act like the Holy Spirit coming to the place. No, no. I want the presence of God in the house. I want the real Holy Spirit going, moving. You know, the gifts and operation, tongues and interpretations and prophecy. I want. I want the real deal. I want the real church. I want the real move of God, not not a fake move of God, not a performance, not a big show, not not something that you can can go up and gather the people and put put all the focus on the man that's sitting here, the the man with the power for the hour, right? Why? Because there's no God in the place. Amen? No, I I want a real church, the authentic church, the Hacks church, a church that signs, wonders, and miracles follow everything they do. Why? Because they preach the word. They preach the word. They give opportunity for the Lord, for the Lord to move. Church, we need. Uh, I'm telling you, we need. We need something that's authentic. We need something that's authentic. How am I doing on time here? Well, oh, let me let, let me try to get through this verse anyhow. See, we don't have a whole lot of people in here today. So, so you people on Facebook or Facebook Live or YouTube, you know, y'all can click off anytime you want and come back to it. But I think I'm going to hold these people hostage here for, for a few more minutes. Amen. Hallelujah. He goes, so he, uh, he, uh, he says, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts and shuts, and no man opens. He goes, he that has the key of David, the key of David. How many of y'all know that Jesus is the key holder? I mean, Jesus holds the key. Jesus holds the keys. Amen. What do keys symbolize? Power and authority. And Jesus holds the keys. He holds the keys of David. You know, you know, and as I, as I was moving over here to Ireland, yeah, I can remember uh, we, were, we were going up to my, my mom's house to stay for a few days before we got on the, got on the uh, not the boat, but before we got on the plane to, to come over here. And I remember I was, I was just kind of, I had my hands in my pockets and, you know, because I had to pull the knife out and put it in the suitcase because you can't have a knife. So, and, I, and I went in this, and this pocket was empty, you know. And, and for, for, you know, 16, 16 years, I always had a wad of keys in this pocket. And I'd always, you know, go, always had a habit of putting my hands in my pocket just to feel and make sure they're there because those, those keys opened up the doors to everything that I had. Every, everything that was important, not everything that was important to me because my wife is important and I, but I do have the keys to her heart too. Amen. But anyhow, uh, anyhow we, uh, but I, but it had the keys to everything that I've worked hard for, for years. Amen. And I remember sticking my hand in my pocket and there was nothing there. And I was like, Oh Lord. Lord, everything that I've worked hard for for the last 15, 16, 18 years, it's gone. You know, my business is gone. All the keys that went with my business, it's gone. You know, house, my house is gone. You know, cars, they're gone. Boats, they're gone. Motorcycles, they're gone. I don't, I don't have one key, you know, from what I've worked for years and years and years to have. I don't have one key left. You know, and the, the Holy Ghost just, you know, sweetly just spoke up to me. And he said, just give it a little bit of time. He goes, give a little bit of time. He goes, and you'll have keys back in your pocket. And he goes, I'm gonna put some keys back in your back in your hand that are, that are gonna have more authority and more power than the keys you had before. More, more, more authority and more power. Amen. And I'm telling you, as soon as we, as soon as we walked over here, as soon as we landed over here, you know, we start, we got a, keys to a house. Then we get keys to a car. Then what happened? Then the keys, to ministry started opening up. I started getting keys to the church building, keys to be able to minister. And then the Lord gave us more authority. And power and gave us keys under the church here in Dundalk. And I'm telling you, church, it's powerful stuff. I'm telling you, keys are amazing. They they but there is a lot of responsibility that goes along with keys. Amen. There's there's a lot of responsibilities. How I many of y'all know that, that each key that I have in my pocket here? Man, there's a responsibility there. You know, i I'm responsible for a house. I'm responsible, I'm responsible for the car. I'm 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 responsible amen, for this building. I'm responsible for goes on to this place. Amen. Keys represent responsibility, but they also represent power and authority. But with power and authority comes great responsibility. And I mean great responsibility. Now we see that Jesus, he is the key holder a lot of responsibility put on Jesus. He is the key holder. I mean, we know he holds the keys to everything in the spirit that is important. I mean, everything. You say, what does he hold the keys to? He holds the keys of the kingdom. And in the word says, the scripture says, he holds the keys to the kingdom. He holds the keys to death. He holds the keys to hell. Satan doesn't even have his own, he doesn't even have a building anymore. He do not even have keys to his own house. Amen. You know, Satan doesn't have uh, keys to his own house. Jesus has them. Amen. Jesus holds the keys of the abyss. And he holds the keys unto David. He holds the keys into, into David. Now, what does a key holder represent? The key holder is the one that gives you access into what's on the other side of the on the, um, what's on the other side of the door amen he gives you access if he, he has to be able to open the door he has a key he can open it to what to give access into treasure give access into the private rooms or even in the spiritual realm he can give you access into the next realm the, the next steps in the realm the next the higher places in in the in the in the spiritual realm that that uh, that we're all desiring to move into this this is what the key holder has i mean do we want do we want valuables in the kingdom you desire to have valuables in the kingdom of God, I'm telling you church, you gotta go to the key holder. Amen. You desire to, to move up in the kingdom, to, to take steps into, into spiritual realities that you never thought you could to get deeper and deeper and deeper into the things of God. I'm telling you, there's only one way you can do it. And I'm telling you, it's, go, it's going through the key holders, going through Jesus. There's no other way you can get there. See, there's this, there's, this, you know, there's this, you know, people have this idea that there's some mountain and you can, you know, God's at the top of this mountain. You can get up this mountain any way you want. You can, be a, you can go up through the Christian side. You can go up through the Jew side. You can go up through the, through the Muslim side. You can go up through the Buddha side. You can go up through the Hindu side and you're all going to get to the same place. And I'm telling you, that's a lie from the pit of hell. I'm telling you, there's one place you got to go through the key holder. He's the one that holds the keys to all doors. I'm telling you, he holds the keys to the kingdom. You want to become, you want to get placed in, you want to get into the kingdom of God. You're going to have to go to the kingdom. Amen. You're going to have to go to the one that holds the keys to the kingdom and his name is Jesus. Amen. Let me finish I'll finish. I'll finish with this little bit here. So, so what were, what specifically was the key of David? Amen. What what was this key, uh, this key on on one side? Amen. One side of it. You know, Dave, David was a conqueror. How many of y'all know that? David conquered his whole his whole. His whole term as as being a king over Israel, he he was a conqueror. I mean, and I'm telling you, he conquered all. There's nothing that stood in his way that he did that he didn't conquer or or defeat or subdue. I mean, he subdued all the Israel uh, the enemies of Israel. And I don't mean just a few of them, I mean all of them. I mean, enough to where even his son, after he died, Solomon, when he became king, he became the wealthiest king of all time. Amen. I there was and there was peace coming throughout. I mean, anyone that's that wealthy, you'd think that people would be coming after him. No, there's peace. Peace. why because all of their enemies were subdued by what by King David amen I'll, let me read this verse to you here in second Samuel verse uh, chapter eight verse two. It says, then he defeated Moab. Forcing them down to the ground, he measured them off with a line. With two lines, he measured off those to be put to death. One, one full line was, and, and one full line was, though, to be kept alive. He goes, so the Moabites became David's servants and brought tribute. And they brought tribute. Now, now what is this talking about? What's this dealing with instead of going through loads of scripture here? You know, if you go back to, to 1, Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel, you'll, you'll see that, that when Saul was king in his 40 40 year tenure as king, you see that the Moabites every spring they came down and they raided Israel. Every spring. So as a 40 year king, it came to be like clockwork. You know, spring rolls around you're like, oh, here we go. Here come the Moabites. They're going to come down. They're going to raid us. They're going to take the things that we, they're going to take our harvest. They're going to take things from us. And it's not like Saul was like, oh, just let them go do it. No, he fought against them. He tried to subdue them. He tried to push back. He just couldn't defeat them. Amen. So every year, year after year, spring after spring after spring, they came down and they raided. They came down and they pillaged. They came down and they took the harvest until King David came. And then when King David came, they came down to He said, you know what? The spring's coming along. Moab's not coming down here again. Yeah, I'm gonna stop them right in their path as they begin to come down. He came in and he defeated them. Now, now when he defeated them, he made a show of them openly. He made a show of them publicly. You say, what do you mean? He didn't just defeat them and send them on their way. Amen. No, he he made them lay down on the ground. He put him. He put them in lines. He put them in three different lines, and then he he killed all of them, all of them in two lines, and they let one line live. He said, all right, now y'all, y'all can go back home. You, you use, y'all can go back and y'all can, y'all can, y'all can go back to your city. And, and, but, uh, but uh, let it be known that you guys have been defeated. Amen. Let, let, let your, let your nation know that there has been a defeat that has taken place this day up to the point that, that what happened? The king over there, the, he goes, you know what? I don't think we're going to go down there and we're going we're gonna to fight with those Israelites anymore. a matter of fact, I, I think we're going to begin to give them tribute. I think we're going to begin paying taxes to them so that king, that David, doesn't come down and try to, try to destroy us you know, and, and wipe all of us out. Amen? And I'm telling you, this is the key that he held. He, he it was a conqueror that, that gave a lasting impression in everything he did. This is exactly what Jesus did. It's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus came and he conquered and he made a lasting impression. You say, who did he make a lasting impression? He made it into the heavens, into the earth and the things under the earth. He made a lasting impressions. In, in Colossians 2.15 it says, and having spoiled principalities and, and having defeated principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly and publicly triumphing over them. I'm telling you, when Jesus went down into the pit of hell, when he went down, he, he took Satan, he took all of his generals and began to walk them around hell, you know, showing them who is the king of kings, who is the Lord of lords, who is the conqueror, amen, for what, for who to see? For all of heaven to see and all Oh. All- of hell to see, but for also for all of earth to see. You say, why is that? Because he was raised three days later, three days and three and three nights later, he came and he, he walked for 40 days here on this earth, came and visited over 500 people. Amen. Showing what? That he is the King of Kings, that he is the Lord of Lords, that he is the one that has defeated. See, see church, I'm telling you, Jesus has taken those keys. He took, he went down to the pit of hell and took the keys death. He took the keys to hell. And what did he do? He took all the authority. You know, Jesus says, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, he says all, 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 not just a little bit. He says all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. All authority in heaven and down here on earth it has been given unto me. Amen. It has been given unto me. Then he says, "Go therefore, go therefore. What? Go, go in the authority because all authority has been given unto me and to heaven and to earth. Go in that authority and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them everything I've commanded you. Why? Because I'm going to be with you." I'm going to be with you to the end of days. I'm going to be with you till I come back unto this land and set up my throne here on this earth. I'm telling you, church, Jesus has the authority of all things and he's made us the ecclesia. Amen? He has made us the ecclesia, those chosen ones. Amen to what? To change the environment that we're in. But we do it in his authority. Why? Because he has the keys. He has the keys. And he has asked us to go in his authority. Amen? Now, now, listen, church. I'm gonna I'm a end on that because I think I can I can go on here for a little bit longer. But but let me let me pray and then uh, we will dismiss you guys. But but hallelujah, Father. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your authority that you have given each and every one of us, Lord. Speak to us, lead us, guide us, direct us, Lord. Help us to walk in that authority that you've given us, Lord. Walk with the boldness, Lord. Your word says that you didn't give us a spirit of timidity, You didn't give us a spirit of fear. You didn't give us a spirit to get, to get pushed around by, by every evil influence here. You didn't, you didn't give us a spirit to get pushed around by COVID-19 or by the flu or by anything else that's trying to come against us. No, you give us, you gave us a spirit of power. You gave us a spirit of love. You gave us a spirit of sound mind. Lord, you've, you've made us the ecclesia. We were called out ones. We are the ruling body that you've placed. We are the government here on this earth, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord. Lord, I glorify you for it. I, I honor you with that authority. I thank you, Lord. I say that you are the one that holds the keys. Lord, and I thank you for that authority that you've passed over to your church your body, the fullness of you that filleth all in all. Lord, we glorify you for it. We praise you for it, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, as we, as we go to, 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 to lay down to, to get rest tonight, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you give your, your children sweet rest, Lord, that we begin to, to meditate on these scriptures, meditate on your word, Lord, meditate on who you've called us to be, what you've called us to be, and the job that you've called us to do, Lord. We thank you for it, Lord. We, we glorify you for it, Lord. We thank you for a wonderful, a wonderful rest of our week, Lord, we thank you for opportunities, Lord. We ask for opportunities to, to minister into someone's life. Lord, to, to lay hands on the sick and watch them watch them be healed. Lord, to, to allow your kingdom to erupt through us, Lord, and completely change the environments that we walk in, Lord. Lord we thank you for calling us. We thank you for choosing us for, for a time such as this. Lord, we praise you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name we pray. Amen.